Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to the Daily Cornmeal. I'm your host, Chris Gomez. Today is Friday, February the 9th, or Friday, February the 8th, excuse me. Um, join with me in the studio today. We've got um, two special guests for this episode of the Daily Cornmeal. We've got Clara Lucero, who is a youth program facilitator. How are you doing, Clara? Good morning. And we've got Agustin Valverde who is a financial literacy coordinator and also a youth program facilitator for the BRAVE program, the Tribal Empowerment Department. How are you doing, Augustine? Uh, doing good. Good morning. And we're listening to a little bit of old school Smashing Pumpkins. Um, we had a 90s rock Friday last Friday, but um, today we're uh, uh, um, doing Smashing Pumpkins at the request of my two guests. So um, we got some Smashing Pumpkins on right there. We got Mondo the Monster Medina, who just walked in. How are you doing, Mondo? Cool. Um, so we're, we're uh, another guest from the Tribal Empowerment Department this week, guys, on the Daily Cornmill. And um, I got I got to give a shout out to your department because, uh, um, number one, I always compliment how your social media is on point. But your department, more than any other department for the Pueblo, has volunteered to um, just do this outreach and everything. And I think part of that reason is that you work with youth a lot more than um, the other departments would. So... Um, that that being said, uh, I think you guys are have been like way more open to this media and this way of communicating the mission of your program, and I thank you for being guest here. Right. Thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah no problem. So um, first off, um, let, let's go ahead and start about um, how long you've been working for the, the tribe. We'll do ladies first, Clara. How, how long have you been here? Uh, since October, so I'm new Octo- at this. You're new at this? Okay, yes. cool. And then uh, w- what did you do previously to working for the tribe? Uh, I worked for a community college. I worked for a computer lab. The computer lab there? Mm-hmm. Okay, so what's that transition like working with uh, the young men and women from the tribe? Um, it's very different working with college students and then with um, younger kids. It's it's different, yeah, but I, I enjoy it. Never a dull moment, right? No, never. <laughs> yeah, and Augustine, um, you've been with the tribe for a little while now through AmeriCorps. I've seen you around um, um, quite a bit. Um, when did you start with AmeriCorps? About four years ago, I started... Um, uh, originally, it was in the empowerment department, but now we're in the economic development uh, department area. So okay, so you're working for both the economic development department and the tribal empowerment department, yep. right? Yep, starting this January, yes. Okay, great. And um, so at AmeriCorps, you're a financial literacy coordinator? Yep, that's says correct. right here. All right, great. So um, how long have you been doing that? I have been doing that for about four years. I've been um, involved in the community and, and um, serving by helping out. Especially in four years. Literacy. So, four years. so AmeriCorps terms out after four years, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. So you're you're finishing up your service there. I'm finishing up my service in July, and and I still continue to volunteer. I want to keep going and helping out in those programs there. Yeah, financial literacy. We were just talking about this before we went on the air. It's such an, a vital part of um, um, just people's well being, their overall well being, their ensuring their financial success. And then, um, how long have you been a youth program facilitator for the Brave program? Oh, it's been about a month and, and a week. <laughs> really started, really fresh. Uh, really fresh, and and I like that you're fresh and eager to get on the air. You're not going to let a little bit of inexperience kill you. You've got your ideas. Um, we uh went went over those a little bit via back and forth in email yesterday, and mm-hmm. and um, so you know I think it's great what you guys are doing over there. So like I mentioned before, we've had the Tribal Empowerment Department in here quite a bit. Um, my first and my inaugural guest on the Daily Corn Mill was uh, Mary Sue Femeth, who is your um, as, assistant director or deputy director of that, that entire department. And then um, I just had last week, we had Carlos Maese and um, Stephanie Lopez in here, who also work for the BRAVE program. Yes. You know, so you, 
five guests <laughs> out of like 10 shows have come from the tribal and part of the department. So um, let's go ahead and talk about the Brave program. And uh, what do you like best about the Brave program, um, Clara? Uh, the culture, really. I mean, just learning new things from the kids as well. Um, I've been out of the time, so <laughs> the kids really like keep you up with what's what's new and what's fresh so that's pretty cool too and just um uh just trying to make it better for them you know cultural wise you know trying to get them to learn more about their culture learn more about their culture okay and um Augustine how about you how do you like like it uh, the activity there's always something going on every day and uh, the kids jump in on it and they just surprises with whatever they think of and whatever they come up with whenever we show them an activity they're like they're already on it they they know what what to expect okay so um last week we talked a lot about Fortnite. you know um <laughs> what 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 other um trends have you seen um the kids uh looking at right now like what what's popular for for youth um dancing those moves out that they have in Fortnite. but other than that um just um being involved in like little activities or or projects like um the, one of the kids talked about the American Heart Association. So they're being, uh, whatever programs they come from their school, they bring it and show it to us and make us, they bring a lot of awareness. Okay, uh, awareness. So um, let me backtrack here. Uh, so y- you, guys, uh, you guys are both pretty new, new to working with the kids. Is there a spe- specific, specific age group that you guys are working with? I work with third and fourth graders. Go ahead and get closer, Clara. Okay, okay? Sorry. there we go. Um, so third and fourth graders, uh-huh. and how about you, Augustine? Well, I work with um, f- uh, first graders, but uh, the age group is um, age six and seven. Okay, and um, before when we spoke, Clara, you, you spoke about getting um, Julian that comes into you, who is a um, officer with the tribal police force. Yeah, um, he plays a big role with them. You know, like they feel comfortable with him. Sometimes they go to him and talk to them about what's bothering them. Um, he really helps us out, you know, at the front, um, checking in who's coming in and out. And, um, and I think that's important to have a close relationship with law enforcement. You know, he's... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because um, you, you've seen, you've seen like, um, I, I, like you'll go to um, somewhere public and people are gonna, telling their kids, like, I'm going to call the police on you. So mm-hmm. they're brought up in this culture to fear law enforcement right. and everything. And, and it's great that you guys are making them community partners yeah, there. Yeah. And, and um, the tribal police, they do a great job of community policing, I think. Um, you know, they're, they're more um, uh, friendly. They're more in the area. They wave to you all the time. You know, like, unfortunately, sometimes they do have to respond to, you know, domestic calls or whatever the issue is. And, you know, they, you have to be the bad guy at that point. But, um, like, it's great that you're bringing in there. So um, what kind of things does Julian discuss with the kids? Or is he doing presentations or is it more one-on-one? It's more one-on-one. Um, I know he wants to do some kind of presentation with the kids because he did one with us. Um, uh, he did, um, like, oh, my gosh. Um, he did a presentation with us as a whole, but I know he wants to do one with the kids. What, so, was, what was that presentation about? Um, uh, like, if a shooter comes in. Oh, so um, active shooter training? Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, so. uh, unfortunately, that's just like a sad reality that we live with today. Is it? I've been through that active training, active shooter training that we do here with the tribe and and everything. And first off, the fact that the tribe's proactive. I, I know uh, um, Speaking Rock do, does um, the, the similar trainings and everything. So, um, you know, because um, unfortunately, it just seems like I don't know if there's more of them now or we just hear about them more and more because um, um, you know the, the mainstream media just covers them. 
but there's so many of them now. It just seems like they're forgotten, like right right after they happen. Like uh, I mean, I'm guilty of it. I forgot about the one that happened in Las Vegas until like somebody brought it up to me. But um, you know, the kids are in school, so if they do get that training and that, like you know that you know how to. Um, you never want anybody to have to go through that, but I, I mean, like it, it just opens your eyes up to maybe how you should react to to that kind of a situation. Yeah, it was very real. The the presentation that he gave, you know, he was just very, very firm and just like, you know, this is what we got to do um, to help out the kids and to help out each other. So um, yeah, I'm sure he'll, you know, bring it up with the kids. Yeah, and then what it helps with is um, identifying vulnerabilities that you have in your system, like in your security. And, and um, when you have those drills, you, you see where you're weak. And, and uh, you know, you might not be able to, to stop an active shooter, but you can mitigate it and give law enforcement time to respond. And that, that saves lives when it comes down to it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, thinking about active shooters uh, um, and, and things like that, I... I, I can't help but think about, like, you know, what's going on in the school system that's causing, you know, these kids to flip, you know, what, what's going on with them mentally. And because and, um, back back when I was growing up um, in, in the late 90s, uh, well, the late 80s, early 90s, there was um, postal shootings all the time, mm-hmm. you know, and they studied those postal shootings. And what they found out was a lot of um, the way they were trained, they were really militant in their training. There was a lot of like former military and that and the job was just so monotonous. And, and with, um, you know, the kind of um, corporal supervision that they were getting, that you, you had to do this and you had to do that, and people just snapped, and you kind of see the same thing going on in the public school system. So it really makes me wonder, you know, what's going on in the public school system? Uh, uh, what's the root cause, and when will it be studied? Yeah, no, it, it's sad. Yeah. It's sad to see, like, you know, from one day to the next, really, um, kids just snap. And I think this program is what, you know, we're trying to help them instead of just being, you know, stuck on watching TV or playing video games, like, we want them to be more involved, you know, with their community and learn more about their community. And I think once you you embrace that and you learn more about where you come from, you know, you're less likely to do things like that because the community will help you. Yeah, and you feel like you're committing a crime against your community, you know, which you are. And uh, um, luckily, we're a tight knit community. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it has its benefits, but then it has its drawbacks too. At the, at the same time, so um, what you guys do with the culture and and um, bringing guest speakers in and everything, I, I guess it it really helps show um, just how much we have here, how much we we can depend on each other, and uh, it really makes you feel like you belong somewhere. So I, I know belonging. Um, when when kids don't have somewhere to belong. That's where they join gangs and they do um, go into those life of crime and, you know, different, different things there. So, Augustine, um, why don't you tell me a little bit about financial literacy? Um, you know, we had Martin Senna in here a couple weeks ago and we kind of scratched the surface there. What's that program like? The, the program is like where um, we bring in uh, adults or people from the community and also youth. And I'll uh, give a range of the youth, be from high school or early, um, beginning college. And we see that there's a need for them to uh, better understand the the ways of financial literacy, and um, that it's all related to how you spend your money, your wants, your needs, and um, creating a budget, opening a bank account, and also managing your credit. Okay, and that's great that you're starting the youth off with that. So, um, how what's the youngest youth that you've worked with here? Um, it usually comes around in April. When coming up, it's Financial Literacy Month. 
So the youngest I've worked is the Head Start. I've actually uh, read, I read them books that are related, uh, Benny's Pennies. Sometimes they call me Benny's Pennies, but I start reading them books on financial literacy there. And then I work with after school. Um, now the, the break program with them on different lessons. I'm going to be giving them different lessons and see how, how they take on financial literacy. Yeah, I know you got to start, you know, somebody like in third grade where it's just the idea of money and what it is and where it comes from and mm -hmm. savings and everything. And then as you get to high school, you get more more advanced, right, with that, like opening bank accounts and um, actually depositing checks and, and, you know, maybe. And when you get into adulthood, it's more budgeting and investing and things of that nature. Right. Um, that also kind of relates to um, what the Native Pathways does. I work with them with the Tiguan Next Generation. Um, I come in and I specify and help out. Hey, um, you have these um, youth involved in your program. Let's make sure they have a bank account, get them on track so they get a real feel of how it is in the real world when you're working and collecting your earnings. Yeah, and that's so important that you start with good behaviors, you know, good habits from the very beginning. I think, like, it, it, it'll pay dividends. You might not. If you get... 30 students, let's say, you know, and, and like three of them take it really seriously and take it to heart. You're, 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 you know, out of those 30, you're making like three successful individuals that, you know, the tribe might not have had before. So, you know, kudos to you and the great work that you're doing there. Okay. Um, so in the email, we were emailing each other back and forth um, regarding, um, you know, what we were going to talk about today and everything. You talked a lot about chess. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, is chess something that you're really passionate about? Yes. Um, I'm a... U.S. Chess um, Federation um, Tournament Director. Uh, I, I'm a local TD, so I do a lot of chess tournaments in the El Paso County area. And uh, I work with um, great organizations. Uh, my organization is Borderline Chess Central and Game Chess in Las Cruces and um, El Paso uh, Institute of Chess Epic. And um, I used to teach chess after school programs, and I'm starting that with my class here, um, getting them used to the game of chess because there's so many benefits that chess have for kids. What kind of benefits are there? Um, it helps a lot in problem solving. Um, it improves in their grades in all different subjects. It's not just math and science. Chess also helps with reading, writing, and um, it just um, helps their brain grow because um, since they're developing, it, it expands their, the 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 brain cells to grow and absorb more information, uh, memory, and kind of also helps um, with stress and other emotional issues. Do you play chess, Clara? I do not. You do not? I play checkers. <laughs> do, you, do you know how to play chess? No, I don't. No, You okay. should teach, like, the facilitators how to play it. Yeah, you should, you know what I mean? And, and um, it, it'd be great because, like, let's say um, he's teaching a few of those kids right now and he starts you off at a novice. <laughs> right. It'll, it'll build their self-confidence <laughs> up a little bit. If, That's if, uh, true. You know, they can, they can play against you and everything. So if you're just tuning in right now, I'm sitting here with Brave Program Youth um, Facilitators, um, Augustine Valverde and Clara Lucero, who are joining me today. We're talking a little bit about um, the Brave Program, um, which is the after-school program that is held at the... Um, Tiguahum Complex, every day, it starts at around 3.30 p.m. Mm -hmm. When the kids get off of school, they're bussed in. Um, they, they give them a snack. They um, divide them up in the groups, and they do different activities. Last week, we talked about the physical activities that they were doing and everything. Today, we're, we're uh, um, talking about mental exercise here in chess. So you mentioned that there's uh, um, chess isn't something um, that's... Native, no pun intended there, to, to uh, uh, um, isn't something that's new to Native American tribes. 
Um, can you tell me about other tribes that are that are um, facilitating chess teams? Yes, um, it's mostly in um, New Mexico because I work a lot with both states. In New Mexico, there are schools, um, mostly in the high school level, the Zuni Pueblo, and some other schools like the Santa Fe Indian School and the to- Tohachi. Um, those are some of the schools that I can name because I've I've attended a chess tournament there and I've I've seen a huge influence of of those pueblos being involved in a chess tournament and they do really well. However, um, they only keep it to their state and over here in, in Texas, I know we have at least three uh, recognized tribes, and um, for them to attend those tournaments, it's pretty far. You have to go to San Antonio or Houston. And um, but um, it's chess is growing, and there's been more in with the Native American communities. Oh wow! So um, with the advent of like um, better uh, online technology and everything, are there online chess tournaments also? Oh yes, there is, and most of the time, that's the quickest way that youth um, get involved. There's a chess.com app there, and most of the time, I see chess students. They're on there. There's problem solving, or they can just play people directly in different time settings. Okay, so at these chess tournaments, do people wear like shirts? Like they, they go with bling and everything, like representing their team and <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. They have like little pep rallies or they'll wear their shirts for their school to representing the school because they're not just playing for individual, but they're playing for the group uh, the school that they belong to. Have you seen anything like really clever before that um, you know that you remember that's memorable? Yeah. On a chess shirt? Yeah, there's this one um it's also a coach, but um there was a kid that would always say, um, Checkmate me outside. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I figured there, you know. That's good. Yeah, chess memes and stuff like right. that. You know that uh, technology is gonna apply for everything. And I know it used to like like be something that you would see old people playing in the park. But I, I think it can be something that's really exciting when you get into it and really uh, get down deep. So, uh, what exactly is NATO chess? All right. It started up recently. NATO is like with the United um, Nations. If um, It's like the military force. Oh, the, okay. The actual right, NATO. The actual, <laughs> the actual NATO force. They uh, created a chess tournament at Texas Tech, and it started last year. They had like over like 270 countries come along and even other um, nations that, that are not like um, – there was – I think – I'm trying to think. Yeah, I got to look back on the list, but um, it would be great because I now see that there's more um, – um, sovereign nations participating in the Olympics and now also in chess too as well. Oh wow. So um has there ever been a Native American chess master? There has not been a Native American. I actually looked that up the other day to verify out of the two hundred and seventy grandmasters there is not a Native American um chess master. So how does one become a grandmaster? Do you know Clara? I would do you not. like to be one? I sure <laughs> Maybe you could teach Miyagi. Like, that would be awesome. The, the best way is to start when you're really young as a kid. Because the older <laughs> yeah. you are, it is the harder. I'm out. Uh, yeah, <laughs> harder to learn. You can still become one. There's, there's a certification for that. But um, starting at a very young age, um, you have to play in rated matches uh, with the U.S. Chess Federation. Um, you pay a membership. You attend these tournaments. Um, sometimes I host these tournaments with the kids and the youth. And um, it comes to a point where you gain points, and these rating points go up to 2,000. If you can reach 2,000 and above, you gain titles of national and grandmaster oh, and wow. so on. How so, long have you been playing? Uh, I've been playing since I've, I've been in third grade. Wow. Are you a grandmaster? No, I am not. <laughs> uh, How far away are you from being a grandmaster? I'm very far. <laughs> I'm below 1,000 points, but that's because I do more in tournaments as a director than I do play chess. And, mm. and because I do play with the kids once in a while, they beat me really bad. <laughs> oh, okay. So, uh, um, you know, Native kids got some skills out there. So if you're on this bus ride home, 
because I know you guys were listening on the bus ride home. You mentioned and everything. Correct. Um, you could be a chess master, young yeah. young Tigua um, chess master. We'd love to see that. You know, um, it would be a first for not just our tribe but for Indian country in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, it sounds more fun than people probably like think it is. Right. Yeah. Uh, they do think a lot of people think that this is like only for boys, but there's actually a growth in girls in chess and recently. So there's now specific tournaments with um, uh, young ladies and girls um, playing chess tournaments and winning prizes. And um, um, I, I was testing that in my class and I'm surprised some of the girls picked on it quicker than the boys. So. Wow. Yeah, don't discount the girls, guys. No. Yeah. He Girl. was showing a, a video yesterday, a movie to the kids yesterday, and they looked interested yeah they they were um it was called a little game and it talks about this girl going to a new school and she's being bullied by someone in the chess club but she learns how to play chess and she learns how to build friends and friendships with that yeah that's that's great yeah i mean anything anything that that just keeps your brain moving like i think is good for you you know just those activities because your brain is like any other muscle in the body or i mean what's not muscle but it's an organ and Mm -hmm. um you know you you need to keep it fresh and relevant and and continue to read and i think um chess would be a great way to do that so um I know um, chess is a good brain exercise. I, I know native language is a good exercise, and that's something that you guys are doing there um, with the Southern Tiwa language. Uh, um, yes. Yeah. How often is that going on with the kids? We do that um, every Wednesday. Every Wednesday? Every Wednesday. I do mine every Friday. So okay, at so least once a week, a class has groups. a different, yeah. Is that mm-hmm. d- done through the AmeriCorps program also? Or yes. It, yeah. Um, that would be the language and culture uh, with um, <clears throat> David and VNA. They're the coordinators for that program. Oh, okay. And and um, so how are the kids doing? Are they picking it up? Uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of them, you know, went to preschool here and they they learned that with the pre-K. So they're it's like refreshing their memory. So, yeah, um, yeah they, they it's very impressive because, I mean, I'm not tribal, so... To hear them just talk like that, like you know, with the language, it's it's yeah. beautiful. <laughs> and and you got to figure, like in competition, like you say we had a basketball team or you know, like your chess team or anything, you've got like an advantage there that you know, just knowing your language and everything, yeah. you can communicate in a way that the other team wouldn't understand. Correct. Not even Bill Belichick would be able to steal those signals, right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. In a little yeah. shot at the Patriots. They're even. Yeah. They're even. <laughs> teaching us on Wednesdays as well. So we're, we're learning too. Yeah, language is just one of those things where if you don't have anyone to practice speaking with it, it's just so hard. And um, I, I mean, I'm here in the studio by myself, but I, so I'm kind of isolated. Like, you know, but I, I used to be around a lot of, of people who speak it, like War Captain Javier Lueda and, and um, you know, uh, Councilman Ralph Gomez and um, Language Coordinator Richard Hernandez and... and um, I, I've, I feel like my, my language level, like, like has decreased since I've been isolated from them, you know, so, um, that's great. Cause like that, the kids are going to be able to teach each other at some point and, you know, um, hopefully it's something that's embraced in the public schools and not, you know, frowned upon like it once was and everything. Cause, um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of negativity going on right now. Right. Um, you know, we had, uh, um, that whole incident um, that happened in at the Lincoln Memorial with mm-hmm. um, you know the native elder and everything and it's it's just funny how politicized that got and um, Nathan Phillips was his name and he talked about how um, his intent was to go up there with the drum that you know you had the one group that was uh, um, um, the, from the Catholic school that was protesting the abortion you know 
and, and you had the other group uh, that that was protesting something out, and he said he was trying to calm the tension between that that group using you know spiritual drumming and that, and you know he got met with you know um, racially derogatory uh, um, chants. The the focal point of that whole um, um, thing was that kid with the grin on his face with the MAGA hat, and oh, for whatever reason, the MAGA hat just became it has become this like symbol of right. you know us first them, and you know. Um, I, I, I uh, really miss, um, you know, back, back, back in the day when politics, you did have people that were Republicans or they were Democrats. Right. And, um, you know, they would get together and they would compromise. They, would res- I mean? they respected yeah, each other. Now, now it just seems like everything's just so polarized. Right. And, you know, like, like you have to hate anybody who vo- uh, voted for Donald Trump and they have to hate anybody who, you know... Um, doesn't believe in, in building a wall and and uh, people just really dig in now and uh, I, I honestly feel like there's good people on on both sides but yeah I, I wonder if that would have been like such a big story had that kid not been wearing a MAGA hat mm-hmm. right. you know uh, yeah. yeah it's interesting but uh, yeah I, I think um, uh, another thing um, we have that the governor of Virginia who you know came out in, in his college yearbook in blackface really and um I took a look at Councilman um, Gomez's um, Facebook, and and he's all like, well, you know, blackface is offensive, and, you know, rightfully so. It's got a long history. And he shows people at at, um, at football games, you know, at different colleges and everything, and he goes, like, how is red face not offensive? Right. You know, and and I think with language, it's one of those things where, you know, um, uh, they they have... Native kids, they have a long history of, like, having their language taken from them and, you know, trying to assimilate them in that. And I'm hoping that it's something that's embraced now and it's not something that they get in trouble for. Right, you know? yeah. 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 Uh, um, do they seem proud to speak it now? or? Yeah, you know what? Shorty came in, um, like, in December, I believe, last year, and he was, you know, encouraging the students, like, you have to look out for each other. You know, there's not a lot of people that are like us. And you know, you need to stick up for each other. If, you know, you're in trouble, stick up for one another. And I, you know, that's that's a good message. Because yeah, no, that's a great message because, uh, uh, um, you know, like I talked about politics being divided, you know, in our country. That, that, that happens with our tribe too. You know, uh, we get into our little groups and uh, it divides us. And, and the sad part about the whole thing is that, you know, people are 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 uh, mean or racist or just rude enough to native people as it is on the outside. We don't need to be doing that to each other. Right. You mm-hmm. know, so that that's a great message from Shorty, um, Councilman Gomez. Right. Yeah. You know, like he's so humble. He just goes by Shorty right, all the time. Yeah. He's not like <laughs> Councilman. Please call me Councilman. <laughs> like, like uh, yeah. So, um, what what um kind of challenges do you guys have in the the Brave program? I, um, do you ever have um maybe kids that are acting up or and what do you guys do to mitigate that? Well, it's hard, you know, because they've been at school all day. And, you know, they the last thing they want to do is, you know, learn. So, <laughs> you know, it's just a long day for them. So, um, I mean, really just having them, like, take out their jitters, you know, just going to the gym and just um, having them play. Like, uh, I've gotten them into jump roping. That was something I loved doing as a little girl. And... Um, now they're really enjoying that, you know. Oh, wow. So um, jump roping? Yeah, I, and a double dutch, too. I want to teach them how to double dutch. <laughs> That's hard. Yeah, I can, I can do double unders. Do you know what double unders <laughs> no, are? Uh-uh. No, so double under is um, when you jump up once and the rope, spins around two revolutions oh, yeah, instead yeah. of singles. So, yeah, that's something that's just very rhythmic. 
you know, like like you just kind of hear hear the rhythm. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah. So um, you know, that's that's something I can I can probably go show them how to do. Why well, not? Come yeah, on down. Why not? Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, if you have a, a child that's having a meltdown, like how do you guys handle that situation? Um, usually, um, we have the other or in our class um, focus on a team building or uh, grouping themselves. So one of our um, we work in pairs and twos. So once in a while, one of us will go and uh, address the student and, and talk with them and make eye contact and and focus on what is the situation or what's happening with them. And if we have to, we 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 have plenty of room to kind of bring them into an area where they feel comfortable and and just just manage it. And it usually goes down pretty fast. And and because um, they have a trust with us and and they understand that we make them understand well uh, how you feel and how did that affect if it was involving another kid. Okay, and I know Linda Wiley is your um, empowerment early learning development specialist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's got a lot of um, experience with you know working with difficult cases, and you know um, not everybody learns the same. You know when it comes down to it, you know right. there's some of us that are tactile, some of us are auditory learners, like and. Um, has um, she gone over anything with um, um, sensory kind of uh, um, methods to, to deal with um, um, different kinds of learners? Yes. Um, yeah, well, she actually had a presentation with us and just really just talking to the kids about, you know, what's wrong with them. Because sometimes they don't really know how to express, you know, what's wrong with them. Like as adults, we we express ourselves very well. But with kids, sometimes they just don't know. And really just just talking to them really helps them to express themselves. Yeah, sometimes it just wants somebody to listen, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry, Augustine, were you going to um, interject there? Yeah, I was going to add in there, um, while just how some of the things I noticed, they, they'll mention, oh, it's my cousin. Like, usually it'd be an argument they have with their cousin. They don't see them like, oh, you're my classmate. Mm-hmm. And so they'll bring up about... Um, how they want to still be with their cousin or they, they're trying to f- solve the problems themselves too. And so most of the time, yeah, we're there listening to them and guiding them to find an answer to their situation. Yeah, th- and most definitely. Yeah, talk, talking things and through and understanding people, like that's just the, the uh, um, best thing right now. I, I, I think um, we miss a lot of interaction like this. Like we're all sitting together face to face and, you know, the social media, it has its place and it has its purpose and, but I think we've gotten away from a lot of just these face-to-face conversations. And there are things that, you know, like you would communicate to people that uh, um, in person, may, maybe that you would say through social media that you wouldn't say face-to-face, right. that you wouldn't even dare. Mm-hmm. And I just think there's a lot of anon- an- anonymity in, yeah. in, in, in social media. And that's the problem with it is that, you know, that anonymity and um, there's no consequences to that action. You can just get on the Twitter or whatever and, you know, say whatever bad about, you know, and just crush somebody. Right, you yeah. know, and and, that, and that's like terrible. Whereas, um, I I think a good social media strategy to follow is, is you know would I say this to this person's face, you know before I post it, you mm-hmm. know would I say that's this true. out loud in a mic and a microphone in front of people, you know this comment I'm about to put, you know, yeah that and I, I can do with um you know the uh, without the here at Walmart, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, kind, kind of stuff. The status update. Yeah, you know, like, because we're all eager to know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, unless something cool is happening at Walmart. I mean, Walmart's a strange place. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, like, I go to, to a Walmart on Alameda here, and I mean, that that's like a family reunion. <laughs> yeah, all the tribal people are in that Walmart there. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so um, 
uh, we t- you you guys talked about uh, not talked about, but we before we went on the air uh, about like community contests and and scholarship op- opportunities for kids that are in high school. You want to elaborate a little bit more about those? Yes. Um, uh, usually, um, since I do a lot of um, in and in and out of the um, community um, organizations and stuff. Like, uh, I find scholarship opportunities that are, hey, do an essay contest, or there'll be, like, a poster contest coming up. I know we, we there was one for um, for doing a poster for, um, is it? Safety. For, safety, mm-hmm. yeah, for safety. Um, and we have that with our transportation unit uh, with Mr. Joe mm-hmm. and Rosie. Uh, they just started that one there. They talked about safety to the kids, and they have a contest where they have a picture where they draw about safety on the bus, and the best kid that does their best coloring it in, you know will get a contest, but the scholarship also opportunity. I, I work with the Beller Optimist, and I have an essay contest, and um, not that many kids um, participate in essays. So right here, I show them a flyer, and the kids, oh, wow, I didn't know I could even enter in this scholarship contest. Like, yeah, it's open for everyone. Yeah, what kind of scholarship is that for? It's um, about a $2,500 scholarship, and they write an essay. If all the world problems are solved, do we still need optimism in the, in the world? Okay, and that's Beller Optimist. Where where yeah. would uh, one of our high school students go to apply for that? Um, they could. Um, there's a flyer that's in our Brave facility that they can look up, um, or they can come in anytime. They don't have to be part of the Brave program, but if they're part of the community and they want to try it out, they can come in and get in contact with me. I'm the one that gets to uh, evaluate and read the essays, and and it'd be nice to know what these kids are thinking about and how they feel about you know being optimistic in the world. Okay, and you guys are located located at eleven two hundred Santos Sanchez um, seven nine nine two seven. What are the hours of operation there where they can find you? Um, usually, um, during the Brave program, it'd be like from three to six p.m. We should put a flyer up at the library. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know you what? Should. I did. You okay. know what? I did leave some flyers there. Okay, so the library is at eleven one hundred Santos Sanchez, so it's just a block away from from there. So you can pick up the flyer there, right? And then, um, or you can meet Augustine at the Tiguahun Complex um, from three to six p.m. Uh, Monday through Friday, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. And um, he'll give you all the information on how to apply for that. That you know, and scholarship opportunities. Uh, um, they're far and few between nowadays, so you really want to take advantage of that. Tying that back to financial literacy, um, the more you get, the more out of loan debt you um, stay. So uh, <laughs> right. you know we want to keep you involved in that. I, I think I've I've um, bared my soul to the, the tribe about my loan debt like way too much on this <laughs> on this program. It's come up like four like it, it, I mean, but it's it's something that that you know like um, it, it's very real. Like right. uh, you know when, when you're getting your education and everything, you know you're gonna. You might. You don't have to if you qualify for enough scholarships and um, go into some loan debt. But it does. It does happen, and you know, um, it's okay if if um, you know getting eighty thousand dollars in loan debt and you're going to be a doctor. You know, cool. You're fine. You know, right. uh, eighty thousand dollars in loan debt and you're going to do something like uh, that doesn't pay as much. That probably should, like you know, being a teacher or you know a, a social worker. You know, one of the, these. Um, undervalued professions as far as I'm concerned. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to hurt your budget, you know? It's just really going to hurt. Um, so uh, w- what are your plans going forward, Clara, for you know what you're doing with, with the kids? Um, just going day by day. I mean, right now it, we're just trying to uh, get ready for spring break, um, getting kids enrolled. We have, like, uh, some events planned, um, but yeah, like we want people to enroll. Um, they can contact us at uh, 
790-0227. So, yeah, we need kids to register for spring break. Okay. So, do I have to be a part of the BRAVE program to register for spring break right now, or...? You can be a part of the community and... Um, yeah, so they don't necessarily have to be in the after-school no, program, uh-uh. right? Right. Okay, and um, the spring break program starts when Socorro Independent School District goes to spring break? I believe break? so, yeah. Because they go a week earlier, right, than right. Isleta, mm-hmm. and they get like a week longer? Right, yeah. Yeah. But they can they can call and get more information on that. Okay, and uh, what what kind of events are you thinking you're going to have for that? We want to we wanna do some hiking, and then we want to do some field trips. It's still in the works right now. Awesome, hiking. So have you thought of a place? Waco, Waco Tanks, yeah, we've got, um, we've been talking about Shorty, this is becoming a commercial for Shorty, (laughs) yeah, but I know he's a, he's a a certified guide there, you've got Renee Lopez, who's a certified guide, so, um, Rick Casada, right, yeah, yeah. so there's, there's tribal members who will be able to guide you along, and of course there's, um, our pictographs are, uh, they've been on there for generations, like, you know, you, you talk about history, and, um, you know, artwork and everything, like, like I think a lot of tribal members take for granted, like, you know, what's up there, and, you know, those are the writings of our people, and we've gotten into some battles with climbers in the past, you know, me personally, I've done it, <laughs> and, and um, yeah, it's just really funny, the mindset that they have with um, something that's recreational versus something that's spiritual, and they'll be, well, it's spiritual to me, um, like, okay, um, you know, churches are spiritual, and I don't go climb up the side of them, <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's my... my uh, <clears throat> My opinion, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, but um, I, I mean, I don't mind what they do. I get it, you know, like hiking. You know, I, I've, I've had an en- enjoyment for the outdoors, you know, my whole life. I love hiking, camping, you know, those kind of things. It's just that, you know, if there's areas that are, are sacred to people, like be re- respectful of them, right? you know. And, and um, you know, I did bring it to their attention one time, too. Like I've seen some of your YouTube videos where you guys, um, you know, you're climbing and you're doing your thing and you got your chalk and, and you know, it's there at Waco Tanks and, yeah, you're just um, uttering a lot of profanity there, and and I mean, you gotta keep in mind it's a spiritual place for for tribal people. Oh yeah, you know, so um, you de- you definitely wanna you know just just be respectful. That's that's all. I, I don't think the the tribe ever wanted to kick hiker um, climbers out. They just want them to be respectful. Right. Want them to stay away from certain areas. You know, um, uh, you wouldn't go and and uh, under the Lincoln Memorial and you know like deface that and you know a lot of those pictographs. That's what they are and. The yeah. fact that you, if you get an opportunity to take the kids out there for spring break and, and communicate that to them, that, that'd be great. So um, any other future plans, uh, Augustine? Um, let's see, with the kids, just um, I, I just like uh, reading them, bringing them. Actually, I, I do a lot of things that I experienced and when I was growing up in my school education. I, a lot of them never knew how to play certain games like Seven Up. You oh, know. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was shocking to see how they interact with some of these games that we used to play because I find them mm-hmm. very educational and. Yeah. Did you teach them how to fold a note into a football and? <laughs> not, not yet. I was waiting until yeah. after the Super Bowl for yeah. that one. Yeah. Or, or how to draw that that weird S thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> Even like paper airplanes. One of the other kids was teaching them how to make paper airplanes. Yeah. So. I, I know a kid who came came home with, like, 30 bucks, you know what I mean? And and, oh. he, and, he, and they were asking him what, what you know, how he came home with money, and he was selling origami. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a hustler right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's an entrepreneur. So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think what people realize is, uh, um, you know, you see that this big group of kids, but they're all people. Mm-hmm. Like, they really are. They all have their individual personalities, and you can see it start to come out from a very young age, and... Um, you have to embrace that and just just be um, 
you know, humble to that too. Mm-hmm. You know, that's 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 a person in there, and you know, just like I wouldn't want um, somebody to come up like if I was in the middle of watching one of my favorite shows on Netflix and just turn off the TV out of nowhere. You know, like like um, a, a child's the same way. You know, right. just just a younger human being. Yeah. So um, yeah, you guys are doing great work over there. A lot of great ideas. So um, I said that to Carlos and Stephanie last week. You know, it's good. It's good to have young people like you guys working with them. Yeah. Um, you guys are positive role models. So if you're interested in joining the Brave program or the Spring Break program, um, go ahead and call them. Clara, you want to give us that number one more time? It's nine one five seven nine zero. Zero two two seven. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, um. You know. Great. Free program for tribal members after school and everything. A lot of um learning enrichment. Um, get a bus ride home. Get a snack. Get physical activity. Get language instruction. I mean, and um, free of charge to tribal members. So like, right. what more could you want? Um, I'd like to thank you all for joining me today on the daily cornmeal. Um, I hope you guys have a great weekend. Um, this is Chris. You're listening to Gue One Hundred One Point Five FM LP Isla del Sur.